So, uh, carrying on in our, our series this morning, uh, looking at the seven letters uh, to the churches that are found in, um, in the book of Revelation. And uh, we're reading from uh, chapter 3, and it's the first six verses. It's the uh, letter to the church, or to the angel of the church, um, that meets in Sardis. So, uh, let's read this. Um, I'll read it out loud, and if you want to read it in your head, and uh, you can do that without moving your lips, uh, great. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write... These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Obey and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Father, we pray that you will grant us ears to hear and hearts to do something about it. Lord, may anything that comes out of my mouth that's not out of your mouth be lost forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we can have our PowerPoint up, please, Jeff. That'd be great. There we go. So, uh, the letter to the church in Sardis. Now then, quite in keeping with the rest of our button box service this morning, there are too many sermons in this six verses. Okay? Um, just by way of a, um, a warning, uh, I was preaching at St Martin's last uh, week, and uh, I wrote my sermon, kind of thing, as much as, much as you do, and I put it in my, my briefcase, and I closed my briefcase up, and the back of the briefcase burst open. Such was the heft of the sermon that they were in for. Uh, I, I like to think, but possibly not. Uh, I glued it back together for, uh, for her this week. But there are too many sermons in this service. Uh, you're going to get three. Okay? So uh, there's two ways of approaching that. You either um, start writing to the local preachers uh, meeting now, uh, you, you let her complain, or you just think, well, you never know. In three sermons, there's a chance he might say something that's for you. Okay, so here we go. Um, (laughs) 
when I, I came to look at this, um, this letter, and indeed the other letters, it struck me that it's a little bit like a, an appraisal report. Uh, has anybody ever been appraised? Yeah, quite a number of us. Uh, basically, somebody's observed, hopefully observed, uh, done a bit of digging around, uh, possibly looked at some data, uh, and then uh, kind of said, okay, this, this is uh, what's good, this is what's not so good, um, let's look at what you were supposed to be doing, how far you got towards that, uh, what do you need to be doing next. Okay, that's it. The appraisal. Has anybody ever appraised? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. So we've... Some of us have had both shoes on, so to speak. Uh, uh, okay. And uh, it, it strikes me that these letters are a little bit like an appraisal report for, for the ministers. Because remember, every week we've looked at one of these letters, we've underlined that uh, it's sent to the angel, to the minister, to the person who's responsible for uh, that church. Okay? So it's almost like a, uh, we use the word appraisal rather than performance management these days. Uh, but it's almost like a, this is the state of your work. These are the good bits, these are the not so good bits. Um, and I don't know, uh, if you've been appraised, you'll know that uh, there's that kind of uncomfortable kind of feeling that comes with being appraised. Uh, actually, if a, an appraisal's good, uh, there's only two kinds of people that are frightened. There's the kind of people that think they're doing everything perfectly and they're frightened of being told otherwise. And there's the kind of people that know they're doing nothing perfectly but are blagging to everybody that they are. And they're frightened of being found out. But anyway, what I want to try and say is that we look at these letters often and we look at them quite negatively. This is a chance to, to kind of stick it to the minister of, of the church in Sardis or whatever. But actually it's a positive process. These letters are positive things because they're saying, look, I know your deeds, I know what you like, I know your plus points, I know your, your, your downsides, but I know how you need to improve. I know your next steps, if you like. So, again, following the kind of pattern that we've followed, let's look a little bit at Sardis the city. So what was the city actually like? Well, a little bit like... Um, I wonder if, if you're going to recognise that. Anybody recognise that? Skeggy! Yeah, that's Skeggy. Uh, a little bit like Skeggy. Uh, has anybody been to Skeggy recently? Yeah, it, it's my delight for every year several times. And I've been going for the last 49 years. Okay, no, sorry, still alive, 48 years. Um, over that 40 eight years, there's been quite a change. And if you look even further back, there's an even bigger change. Victorian times, Skeggy was the place to be. Skeggy was the place to be. If you were uh, uh, well off and you didn't want to go to Clandidno, you went to Skeggy. It was a buzzing place. But over the years, over the years, probably since uh, the height of kind of Billy Butlins, just after the war and what have you, when people were mobile and loads of people went to Skeggy. And again, it was a buzzing place. But over the years, it's got a little bit tired. It's got a little bit worn. It's got a little bit... Well, past 
its past glories are a long way behind it. I still love it. Somehow the jolly fisherman's not quite as jolly as he used to be. And that's what Sardis were like. It used to be brilliant. It used to be the place to be. But it's a bit worn now. It's a bit tired. It's a bit overlooked. It's a bit bypassed. It's a bit, a bit like skinny. Anybody recognise that place? Repton. Yeah. Um, Repton used to be a, a, a regional capital back in the day. Uh, regional capital of Mercia. Uh, and Sardis used to be a regional capital. Again, a buzzing place, a place to be. But if you've got a, you want to go and see somebody important, what have you, uh, you don't go to Repton anymore, you go to London. If you want to see somebody uh, important for Sardis, you don't go to Sardis, you go elsewhere. It's kind of yesterday's place. Not as important as it used to be. It's a little bit like... Yeah, Derby, yeah. Some fat lass. No, it's a little bit like Derby because it's one of the things that we're kind of founded on and, and famous for were wool. Okay? A little bit like Derby. Anybody? Yeah, it's a little bit like Little Over because Sardis was actually built on a hill. Little Over means Little old Hill, basically. Um, built on a hill and, and um, that's one of the reasons why it was so fi- uh, important. It was reckoned to be impregnable as a, as a, as a city. Um, even though, in its recent history, uh, at the time it was written, it had been invaded and conquered twice. So when we look at this letter to uh, the church in Sardis, it's actually, if we think about the place, pretty apt, isn't it? Could be a letter to us, geographically. QI stuff. QI standing for? Quite interesting, yeah. Uh, these are the kind of things that um, I'm not breaking any confidences, but as you stand at the door, these are the pe- these are the kind of things that people come out of church and go, "Yeah, but what about?" You never mention. You never. Okay. Quite interesting stuff. The seven spirits are uh, some um, some uh, versions render it the sevenfold spirit of God. Okay, so what's that all about? Well, uh, in Isaiah. Uh, we're told about seven different uh, spiritual gifts, uh, kind of uh, reflecting seven attitudes or the seven characteristics or seven functions of the spirit. Um, I, I like the idea of sevenfold rather than seven, seven spirits. Seven spirits speaks of kind of seven distinct things, whereas sevenfold speaks of one thing that's been folded over itself, like a laminate, um, like a bedsheet that yeah, uh, it's kind of king size but it's been folded over, uh, over itself. Um, and each fold, kind of, I suppose you could look at each fold having a different, um, a different function or a different, um, a different characteristic. Um, 
And of course, within the rest of the book of Revelation, seven speaks of completeness and perfection. So it's the complete, the perfect spirit of God. And this letter has been written by the one who holds the perfect spirit of God. I don't know about you, but um, the kind of the picture that came to me was kind of, um, you know, a, a horse rider holds the reins. Or a dog walker, hopefully, well, my dog, not necessarily. You hold the lead and you're kind of in control. No, not, not with my dog, but you're kind of in control. He who is in control of this complete sevenfold spirit of God has written this letter. It's from God. Seven stars. Um, within, um, within Scripture, the idea of a star is often you know, the, the one who leads. If you think about it, navigating, you, you, you follow a star. The Magi did it, um, Boy Scouts do it, etc., etc. So it's, it's the seven stars, seven leaders. Oh, well, we've got seven churches. So not only does God hold the Spirit, control the Spirit, but He also musters, if you like, controls the leaders too. Controls the ministers too. Holds the ministers. There's two explanations. Take it to leave it. You know, within the, within the, the grand scheme of things, uh, I think that makes sense. So let's think about, uh, oh, one thing I did need to mention is that, um, yeah, the church in Sardis wasn't on its own, okay? The church in Sardis wasn't on its own. Um, Within the city, there was a huge Jewish community. They got the biggest synagogue uh, outside of Jerusalem, apparently. Okay, uh, and it also had a huge uh, pagan um, pagan community, uh, the the Cybels, I think they were called. Uh, and to attend worship, you had to wear a white robe. And then once you got there, you did all kind of immoral and disgusting acts. So you got your own white robe on. And then you went and kind of did the exact opposite to what it signified. Interestingly, in this letter, the writer says, God will give you a white robe. Not one you made yourself, one he's given you. Speaking into their situation and their understanding. But anyway, what do we know about this church? Well, firstly, it was small. It was in a minority within these two massive, there were these two massive other communities and the church, the Christian church was small. But let's not fall into the trap of saying, well, they were small, or oh, bless them, uh, it's everybody else's fault. The letter's not written to everybody else. It's written to the church. Just because you're small doesn't mean that you get a pass from being better. Okay, uh, if we want to, uh, going back to the appraisal thing, um, with, with um, 
not wanting to sound like somebody from the dark side, and by that I mean Ofsted, um, it's about making what's good better, or what's in need of improvement good. Okay, it's about a, a positive direction of movement. So they were small. They were, uh, you know, it was them versus the rest of the city, in effect. They were sleepy. Um, within scripture, uh, kind of the idea of being sleepy is the idea of being unaware of what's actually happening. We'll come and talk about this a bit, for, a bit later on. Being unaware of what's happening. Um, kind of letting the rest of the, the, the reality just get on with doing its own thing and, and then being kind of closeted. Oh yeah, we're... we're they were... Uh, yeah, kind of... You can sleep through a lot, can't you, sometimes? We'll come and talk about that a bit later. Talk about that later. Uh, and they were stalled. Okay, so they were, they were small, they were sleeping, they were stalled. Um, they were kind of stuck with where they used to be. They had a reputation. Just like the city had a reputation, the church had a reputation for being, you know, they were once great. But they were stalled in that and, and, and stalled to, to the point of being actually deluded. I don't know, uh, have you, if you're a driver, um, have you ever actually stalled and you have that, that, that split second where you, you're trying to work out what's happening? It's usually... Um, he's not here, so I can tell this. Uh, Owen started driving. And because it's Owen, he's got to have radio on. Kind of, and, and, uh, he was taking me somewhere and he, and he stalled. And he's frantically pressing the accelerator. And nothing's happening, and we're kind of rolling back, and I'm starting to reach for the handbrake. It's stalled, but he was unaware of the reality because he couldn't hear that the engine weren't running anymore. And I think, in a way, that's what had happened to this church. They've got kind of in the red, you know, you, you don't spend every minute when you're driving thinking, is the engine still running? Is it still running? Is it still running? Just check the engine still running. You kind of assume it in. And it's easy for that assumption to become a presumption. And then that's what had happened to this church. They presumed they were still doing well like they used to do. But they weren't. Right, that's one sermon out of the way. Keep that one in touch and move on. Because there's a sermon on repentance. Okay? Um, you kind of get the the first bit of the letter that says look this is what the issue is now this is the way out of it this is the way to improve this is the way to move on remember the stuff that you first heard the stuff when you first believed the stuff Remember your first love, to borrow from another letter. Remember the stuff that saved you in the first place, those words that you heard. Remember about Jesus. Remember that actually, um, you know, these are the things that matter. Not the running of the church, not putting, um, not putting the program on, but actually living with and for Jesus. And the, the, the idea of repenting, it, it, it's, it's exactly that. It's, 
walking in one direction, realising that it's wrong, and turning and walking in a different direction. Let me ask you, uh, men, that's not to um, be sexist, but it's, I think the women will probably end up agreeing. Um, how many men get lost? <laughs> Only one in this entire congregation that gets lost. <laughs> okay? We're just taking a different route, aren't we, fellas? Yeah. Okay. It's the roundabout route. Uh, some might see that as actually just getting more and more and more lost until you happen to be found. Okay? Um, I remember years and years back doing the uh, Duke of Edinburgh's Bronze Award and um, they, used to have, they used to encourage you to go in groups of about seven. Okay? Uh, and in our group, uh, on this one, there was two. Me and the other second row. I think the reason, the reason why um, there were only two of us in our group were uh, because we were taller than everybody else. And we used to stride out and nobody else could keep up with us probably. Or that we were bullheaded enough just to carry on going when we should have stopped. And that's probably why uh, when we set off walking from um, a little, if you've been in a little village in, uh, in Derbyshire called Moniash, and we set off walking and um, we ended up at Flag. And we should have been going that way. But we'd been going this way for about five, six miles. Now we could have carried on walking, theoretically. We could have carried on walking in that same direction. And eventually we'd have got where we needed to be. After we'd walked all the way across Derbyshire, all the way across the rest of England, mushed across Wales and across the Irish Sea, across Ireland, all the way across the Atlantic, across America, across the Pacific, come back in at Skeggy and legged it to where we need to be. Theoretically, we could have carried on. We'd have been getting more and more and more lost for at least half of that journey. When we got to the road, that flag, we went, Herman, that's not what his name was, but that's what we called him. It encouraged him. Herman, this is not right. No, Rob, you're right. This is not right. Shall we have a look? Yeah. So we looked at the map. This is where we are. That's where we started from. That's where we should be. Shall we uh, turn around? Let's turn around. We ended up walking back where we'd come. We're starting again. Don't worry, we did pass eventually. 17 miles later. Yeah. Repentance is about turning around. But actually, think about it. That's a positive thing. We often look at repentance and say it's like a negative thing. It's a positive thing to realise that you're doing something wrong or that you're, you're wrong in, 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 some, in an attitude and to change it. That's, surely that's a positive thing. If... if um, Think back to former life. If a child is writing a word and they spell it wrong, is it not positive that they go, hang on, that's wrong. I'll write it a different way. I'll write it right. I'll spell it right. Sure, that's a positive thing. You go, well done. At last, you've got it. Repentance is a positive step and when 
any of us get into the situation where God says to us, look, you need a change. This is wrong, this is right, choose right. To actually, to have that, within a relationship, to actually say, you know, you're right, okay, I'll change. It's a positive thing. Well, that's another sermon, repentance. A sermon on waking up. Um, what's that? A year. Uh, 1977. Any. Queen's Silver Jubilee, there you go. There she is. Can you tell me what it was like? Because I missed it. <laughs> It was hot. It was hot. It was hot. We got a, a, an insect day, so I went to my mum's school, spent all day playing outside, got heat stroke, got sedated for the next two days, and totally missed the Silver Jubilee. I slept through the Silver Jubilee. I missed it all. I have no idea what happened. I missed it all. And I was Prince Philip. <laughs> No, at school, when we did our Silver Jubilee Assembly, I was Prince Philip. There are photos, and you're not seeing them. <laughs> what Silver Jubilee? I slept through the entire I missed it all. What a shame that actually, what they're saying, what the writer of this letter is saying, what Jesus is saying, what God is saying to the people in this church is wake up because you're missing. You're sleeping through what you're supposed to be doing. You're missing out on what I've got you to experience. You're missing out on the celebration. You're missing out on the work. You're, you're missing out on the service. You're missing out on the living with me. Don't take this too far, but um, I know, yeah, please don't take this too far. I know more about my wife through living with her than sleeping with her. Okay? There's more for me to rejoice in. Again, don't take this wrong. There's more for me to rejoice in with my wife through living with her, through being conscious, than sleeping with her. For being unconscious. All I can no. We'll, we'll leave that one there. Okay, you get what I'm saying. Okay, and in our relationship with God, we can know more of Him by living with Him than we can sleeping through it. A couple of years back, um, we got. Um, my van got broken into on the drive and uh, kids sleep at the front and, and one of them said uh, oh, I wondered what them people were doing <laughs> but I were half awake and, and I kind of just looked down through the I heard a noise and I looked down through the window and I saw these people and, and, and I were half awake and I wondered whether I were dreaming it or well, kind of semi-conscious, semi-sleepy. And the other one went, what? The van's been broken into. Yeah, next to your bedroom. 
<laughs> underneath your bedroom. What? I slept through it. Unaware of what's actually happening, the reality of what's happening across the sleeping. Wake up. Wake up, smell coffee, have the breakfast, greet the day, get on with it, don't sleep it away. And there's a service, a sermon on assurance. I wonder how many, when we read the bit about the book of life, read about names being crossed out of it. If so, read it again. But actually, what's written in there is that he will not. He will not. For those that are doing what they can to follow him, he will not cross out the name for the book of life. To put it back into the appraisal, you're not going to get sacked. There's always a place for you. If you look back. Because when it comes down to it, it's about him holding our hands. Verse 6, so what? He was... Well, it's Annie, but that'd be the part point Van Gogh up there. It'd be a bit wrong, wouldn't it? He was ears. Okay, let him hear. You know, for, for an ear, hearing is actually action. We quite often think of hearing as being quite a passive thing. It's some, you know, uh, if a tree falls in a wood and nobody hears it, doesn't make a sound. That kind of business. Um, hearing is actually an active thing for an ear what it does that's what it's designed for so he who has an ear let him do something about it let him hear what God's saying and actually get on with it ears to ear actions to follow it's that direction it's that moving it's that not being static it's that not being stalled it's that moving on with God Other sports brands are available, but none of them have the slogan, just do it. I wonder how often we're, um, you know, we hear what God, sorry, we hear what God, hear, hear. we hear what God wants us to do, and then we do that, okay, let's think of the implications, let's think of the resourcing for this, let's think of the X, Y, Z and the other things. Whereas actually, what God wants us to do is just do it. Let him worry about the resources. Let him worry about the implication. You know, when, when Jesus called uh, Sam Peter, he said, come, follow me. Not tie boat up, um, Bring it out of the water, uh, put it on some logs to make sure it don't rot. Um, wash your nets first. Uh, um, yeah, pack them away. Uh, have a word with your next door neighbour, make sure nobody nicks your boat while you're away. Uh, oh, you better go and see your, your wife uh, and your mother-in-law and, and um, sort that out with her. And uh, come follow me. And it says, Simon Peter just did it. He went and followed. 
So I wonder what is it that God's saying to us? What is it that God's saying to you this morning? What would he want us to hear? What would he want us to realise? What would he want us to kind of move on with him in? Let's go back to the appraisal. And I'm talking good appraisal here. When in appraisal something gets highlighted as being a next step, a good appraiser never says, away you go. I've told you. A good appraiser says, do you know what you need to do? Then let's do it together. I will support you through it. And that's exactly what God is saying to us this morning. Let's do it together. I'll resource you. I'll, I'll, I'll walk these yards with you. I'll guide you. Because, hey, you know, you might get it wrong. That's okay. Because we can get it right next time. What is it that God's saying to us this morning? Let's just be still. Father God, this morning we thank you that you are speaking to us just as you spoke to this uh, church in Sardis and to its leader. Father, we want to hear what it is. Is it that we need to actually believe with our whole being that you don't let go, you won't let us down? To know that assurance. Is it that we need to wake up and we know that there's things in our lives that yeah, are just kind of drugging us to the reality and we're just sleeping through what you would have us be and what you would have us do. And we're missing out on on such a, rela- such a huge part of our relationship with you? Is it that we're prepared to settle for half when you want to give us full? We have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. Lord, speak to us and as we conclude our service this morning, Lord, prompt us to act now that we might continue to act. In Jesus' name, Amen.